0: Well, Happy New Year, everybody. 2023. How was your trip around the sun for the last 365 days? Huh? Some of us, honestly, are glad that it's gone and we actually have these calendars to say, you know what, I'm, there's things I'm glad that are gone. There's things that I'm reminiscing I'm going to miss or I celebrate as well, too. And there's things I'm looking forward to in this new year. And, you know, it's very often that we equate, though, how our year went by very tangible things. And when you think about it, it's a financial thing. Well, my year went good financially, it went horrible financially. My relationships in the last year, some of them dissolved, I didn't see that coming. My relationships excelled this past year. How's your health? oh, I've got challenges, it's declining. Actually, I feel I've never felt this good. I can't say that, but you know what I mean. Our political views. Oh, what well, I want to see my, where my heart is, we gain ground, we lost ground. And we, we encapsulate this almost a math equation of these sum up how my year went. And let's be honest that deep down, Who doesn't want a life where you see positive increases? I mean, honestly, we all do. But if our daily circumstances are what the essence and security and the joy of life are held in, we're really in a very precarious situation. Because all of us know the longer you live, you quickly realize, I am not in control of almost everything in my life. I think I am, but I really am not in control of what is happening to me. And what we put our trust in a lot of times ends up disappointing or hurting us if things don't go well of how we were hoping they would. You know, the definition of trust is a reliance on the characteristics, the ability, the strength, or truth of someone or something. So if we're going to live in a a trusting situation, just based on the definition, we need something or someone who is far greater than ourselves, who is actually able to fulfill that definition of trust in our lives. So as we start 2023 together, I have a question for you just to think about Who are you trusting in currently right now? And don't go to just the quick Sunday school answer unless you mean it in your head. Because if you evaluate your life right now, especially in circumstances, where does that trust lie? Has there been an over-excessive focus on your finances and the value and the security of those? Is it on certain leadership, politicians with promises and directive? But where are we putting our trust? In who? Or maybe it's a what? Do your answers of what it should be match what your life is representing this morning? Because there's only one answer we're going to see and that we know fills in that blank of where our trust should be. And if If you're like me, oftentimes when I evaluate my life, honestly, I realize that in situationals, I need to actually back up and reprioritize where my focus is, what I'm trusting in. Now, I'm definitely not a New Year's resolution, goal-setting type of guy. I'm just not. But I do think there is value at periods of time in our life to stop and pause and reevaluate. And being at its New Year's Day today, it's a great time to just pause and reevaluate kind of where we're at in our lives. And what are we relying on and depending on? Because the reality is that what we trust in is what we are worshiping. By the definition of trust, you look at that, what you trust in starts to consume your area of worship. Because trust is active, it grows or it shrinks. So growing my trust grows my worship. Growing my trust grows my worship. So we're going to look at Psalm 20 or 33 this morning. It's a psalm that does a wonderful job reminding us about who our trust needs to be in and who is worthy of our trust. Because growing our trust grows our worship. Would you please stand with me if you're able? We're going to read just a few verses of our text this morning together. Psalm 33, verse 1. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise Him. Praise the Lord with melodies and the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-string harp. Sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. All right, you can be seated. Yeah, let's pray as we uh, open God's word together here. You know, Heavenly Father, I just pray as we open your word this morning. Lord, I admit that there's, there's a lot of times that this stuff is, can be so familiar to my ears and to our hearts. And so Lord, I ask that you just pause us for a moment this morning. Lord, that we enter your word expecting to hear from you, expecting you to speak to us in the freshness of the moment. Lord, I pray, I do pray against Satan's tactic and ability. He does an amazing job with constantly stealing the seed of truth. Even while we're sitting here in church, so Lord, I I pray against him this morning that he is not able to do that while we study. Lord, help us to digest, to receive what you have for us, Lord. We look forward to an amazing year. You are the king. You are already in this year to come. So we put our trust in you as we study your word. Amen. All right, so as we look at this psalm, now Psalm 33, we, we really don't know for sure who wrote this psalm. Most commentators are pretty much, you know, it's almost a slam dunk. It's David, even though it wasn't, uh, you know, signed by him. But it's, And I would agree with that. If you read Psalm 32 that precedes this one, it's like a natural flow. I mean, of the same uh, language and style, and they just go hand in hand together. But as we look here at verse 1, it says, Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise Him. Now look a moment at who is called to worship and why are they worshiping. Who is called to worship? The author spells it out in this first verse, calling out the godly and the pure ones. Some of your translations will also say the righteous ones. Now think about those titles for a minute. Only God Himself is able to confirm and to give those titles. But who's worthy to be the recipient of Him? Because you know, when we look at what Paul penned in Romans 3, he started in verse 10, he writes these words here of the human condition of where we start. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Well, if you take that truth right there where we start, that's horrible news. That is terrible news of the human condition. Aren't you glad you came to church to get encouraged today? Right? It's going to get much better in just a moment. Thankfully, Paul does not stop there when he's penning this letter. And a few verses down in Romans 3, he picks up. And here is one of the beautiful words of Scripture almost always is the word but. Romans 3.21 But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God. You want to know how to be right with God? Pay attention, this is it. And we'll circle back around in the sermon. We are made right with God by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned, We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard, yet God, but God in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Amen? Familiar words to us. And that's where the danger can be even sometimes. They're so familiar. They start to lose their specialness, their richness, their depth. Do you remember what it's like to be truly forgiven? Maybe what it was like before you came to Christ? The forgiveness you received, the freedom of feeling sin breaking in your life in the hope of a heavenly destiny and escaping the horrors of hell. Man, we need to remember that and to pause and to worship in that. Think of who penned those words. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest heroes of our faith. But where did Paul start? Paul started as a self-righteous, raging, angry, murderous man. And he pens these words, and I believe Paul had no problem in his life remembering the greatness of that freedom, that richness of being able to be called righteous in God's sight by what Christ had done for him. It's because of Jesus Christ's blood and resurrection you and I are now viewed godly, pure, and righteous in God's sight, only because of what Christ has done for us. Man, does our worship reflect that in our lives? We have to grow our trust. Growing our trust will grow our worship in our Savior. And the psalmist continues with what worship should look like, especially in the context of music, and He says, praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for Him on the ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to Him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. You know, there's something mysterious and beautiful about music. And how it aids in the expression of our emotions as we worship to the Lord. It engages and complements our feelings. And in verse 3, he continues and adds to worship that it should be fresh and new. A new song with freshness. It's current in our lives. You know, 24-7 we have a living God who wants to and is part of our life in relationship with us. Jesus isn't just a one-time, one-hit Moment in our life. Oh, I remember that moment. It's No, it started there and it has continued and will for all eternity when we enter that relationship with Him. And our relationship should be full of life, moment by moment, in conversation, hopeful with anticipation, full of emotion as we communicate with Him. Joy and lauder. Sorrow, anger. Frustration. Happiness. We are called to worship a living Savior. Growing our trust will grow our worship. And the psalmist now expands on the who we are called to worship. In verse 4, he starts, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything He does. He loves whatever is good and just, the unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. How would people describe you? Or how do they describe you? What are your characteristics that make up you? Are there some characteristics that are, ah, I, would, I really need some help or some work there? Now if you're sitting there going, no, I don't think so. I know what the first one is, Okay all right we all need that you know god has no shortfalls in his attributes it it is so it is so impossible for us who are not perfect to really know what true perfection is we strive to comprehend it we know that it can exist but only god has perfection. It's because all his attributes stem out of his holiness, his perfection. So everything coming forth in his attributes is amazing and beautiful and whole. And it says here that God's words are right and true. You know, God never has to go back and correct something he said. I have a hard time making through a day a lot of times doing that. He has never had to do that. He's faithful. His actions have always matched his words. None of us can match up to that. It's beautiful. He's just. You know, four words that God will never have to back, double back on, that's not fair. He is fairness by definition. Everything he does is morally just and accurate and perfect all the time. We can trust a God of perfect character and attributes. He is worthy of our worship. We must grow our trust in Him and our worship. The psalmist shifts to giving reasons why we do praise Him in verses 6 to 9. The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of Him. For when He spoke, the world began and it appeared at His command. We praise Him because He is the Creator. You know, when God speaks, think about this, when God speaks, thought, idea, resources, action, and completion all happen simultaneously in one moment in perfection. God is his own resource. He always has the best plan and he always executes it perfectly every single time. And the psalmist reflects here on the majesty and the power that he sees of God in nature. And all he had at the time was just his eyes and that's all we really need. Just by the nature we see and observe and the beauty and the complexity of it. How awesome God is. But now you can jump forward now. Now we've got mega telescopes on satellites discovering more and more wonders of our universe. I mean, take just our sun for a moment. The little we know about our own sun blows our mind. Do you realize that our sun, to the best of our knowledge, that we can comprehend and put tangible, Really unleashes the energy equivalent to 100 billion, that's with a B, 100 billion nuclear bombs every single second from its surface. Try to, you, know, you try to start to soak some of this stuff in and it's just it's so hard to get around. It's awesome. And on top of that, our sun is 300,000 times the size of our earth and it's just one of about 100 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way, in which our galaxy now we know is one of billions of galaxies in the known cosmos of the universe. And the discoveries just continue to unfold. Man, we have to make it a habit to reflect on the One who spoke All of it into existence. And as it tells us in Colossians, by his very word, Christ holds it all together. Do you realize what would happen if this planet just went five degrees off orbit this year? We're going to be in big trouble. And he holds it by his word in place. His name is Jesus. Our Jesus is awesome. He's powerful. Our trust in Jesus needs to greatly increase in 2023. Our worship of our Savior needs to increase this year. You know, here's the challenge as we talk about some of these attributes of God. Here's what our sin does to our God. Our sin tends to go, Ah, there's God, but you need to be right, yeah, about there. Now I understand you. I'm going to put you in a box that I can identify with, control, understand, manipulate. And my sin simultaneously is elevating me to go, yeah, I'm actually closer to Him. We've got to get rid of our God boxes. Whatever box you've got God in right now, when you start studying His attributes from His Word, you're going to find you need to blow the sides and the roof off your box every single time. I have to continuously let God out of the box that I keep putting Him into. He's awesome. He is awesome. He's unfathomable, and yet to be able to know Him and His characteristics. Mm. Psalmist continues, verses 12 to uh, 10 to 12. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people He has chosen as His inheritance. You know, we praise Jesus because He is the sustainer. Jesus has all the control. He's got all the authority. And His plans will always happen. Thank goodness for His attributes that we just studied. I'm glad the one who is in supreme control and the ruler of this cosmos is righteous and just and faithful and loving. His plans are perfect and can be trusted. Growing my trust grows my worship. Psalmist adds in verses 13 to 19, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race From his throne he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory, for all its strength it cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him. Those who rely on his unfailing love, he rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. We praise our Lord because He is the deliverer. You know in verses 13 to 15 describe a God who's observing and understanding about each one of us and says that He looks and He gazes over the whole earth. He's seeing everything that's going on. From nature, the weather, to animals, the eight billion people on the planet he sees it all his gaze is upon us and in the text also when you see the word sees it takes it to another level it's the close-up it's the coming right down beside next to i see everything in your personal life god knows every detail jesus knows every detail about our individual lives the good and the bad but he knows it all he's aware of it all he knows why you think the way you do the way you talk the way you do and why you act the way you do he sees everything and he's a personal god he's the deliverer that sees and cares about the affairs of our life the writer continues in verses 16 to 17 where he says you know he reminds us that no earthly power is strong enough to protect us, no matter how massive our military power gets, our weapon development and technology advances, it will never be enough to truly protect us the way that God can protect us just by his very word. And no matter how strong we are as an individual or how much we focus on obtaining great health there will always be someone stronger, healthier, and compared to God. It's extremely weak. We are dependent on Him. In verses 18 and 19, it says, But the Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. You know, Ephesians tells us that when we accept Christ as our Savior, we become sons and daughters of God himself. And a good father watches out for his kids and knows what's best for them. We can have comfort and security going into this year knowing that every single thing coming our way has first gone through a father who perfectly loves us and knows exactly what's coming our way And has a reason He's allowing it to come our way. Because some of those things are incredibly hard to understand. And we have to stand totally on the principle and the faith that there is a perfect God that has allowed it for a reason, even though I don't always understand it. And to stand on His principles and His character for that. His benefits are the best. We have the best long-term care policy, death benefits you can ever have. You think about that, and the end and the end comes. That is, that is our eternal hope of our faith, is that when our time comes, because we are going to leave this earth, I'm not scared to die, but I am not looking forward to the process, honestly. And I think most of us can answer that that way. But we've got a death benefit that's guaranteed of heavenly hope because of our Savior. And in the meantime, the short-term care policy he offers is guaranteed as well. He's involved daily in our lives to make sure that what's coming our way has run through Him first for a reason. For for a reason. Because of His strength, because He is the deliverer, He is the only one we should be trusting as we go into 2023. He is worthy of our trust and He is worthy of our worship. We need to grow our trust in Him the psalmist wraps up our call to worship in verses 20 to 22. He says, we put, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Let Your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in You alone. We praise Him because He is our hope. Did you note in those last three verses there, when you look at that, these are all collective pronouns. Okay, It's not an I. It's a we. It's an our. We need each other. We need each other. We need to remind each other of our confident expectations in the Lord. We need to worship together. We should. We never stop doing this. We need to open God's word together. We need to be praying together. We need to be testifying with each other what God is doing in our lives, what challenges we need encouragement with in the Lord in our lives. We need each other to have collective worship. We have a God who made us and loves us perfectly. Think of that. You are perfectly loved today starting 2023 and that is never going to change we have a god who cares about what's best for us we have a god who delivered us from ourselves and we have a god big enough to trust in the key verse i think in this psalm is verse 21 in him our hearts rejoice our hearts worship in christ our lord For we trust in his holy name. That trust is linked directly to the cycle of worship. The deeper your trust, the deeper your worship. The bigger our trust, the bigger our worship. His name is Jesus. We can trust him. Growing our trust grows our worship. So as we close, I have a question for you. I'm going to double back on Are you right with God? That is that is the most important question you can answer in your life. And if you haven't figured that answer out yet, today is a great day in 2023 to nail that one down. Am I right? Am I in right standing with God? As Paul testified about, it comes down to the cross of Christ, and the only way to get right with God is accepting and believing what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. So we have a sin problem. As he described, no one's righteous. No matter how good you think you are, you boil it down. You know in your heart you do sin. We all do. So we have a problem. And we need to be made right with the Lord. And the good thing is Christ came our way because we're incapable of doing enough of good of anything amount for a perfect holy God and his attributes. And so by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did, he was nailed to a cross, he shed his blood. There's a penalty to sin. And God said without the sacrifice of blood being shed, there's no forgiveness. He makes the rules. That's the way. And Christ came to offer his blood, perfect blood, fully God, fully man, in the mystery of that joining. It's faith to even believe that. How does that happen? I don't know. That's why he's God. I just believe it happened. But he died on the cross for us. His body physically died. He was buried. Three days later, he walked out of the grave alive in victory. And when that happened, He proved something. He proved death could not hold him. He holds the key to life. And if he can walk out of the grave, he certainly can live up to his word saying, I have the power to forgive your sins. That is the only thing to take to the bank of trust. And so by responding to that in faith saying, you know what, I believe that, I need that. There's something going off in you going, I get that, I need that. That's the Holy Spirit working on you. Just respond in faith to the Lord with that. For all of us, you know, we would like to have a positive increase in many areas this year. Better finances. Stable and better health. Rich and growing friendships. But there's one increase that does have a guarantee on the results. We can hope for those other things. I hope for them. And I'm trying to do some things to help increase those. But I don't have guarantees on them. But there's one thing as we go into 2023 that is a guarantee. And that increasing our trust in Jesus will increase our worship with Him. And our trust in Him won't fall short, won't be a disappointment, because He is the perfect one that is worthy of trusting this year. Increase your trust in our Savior.